2: Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. If your business needs a new application, then developers will have to write code, a lot of code. If an application needs to be modernized, then you'll need time, resources, and caffeine. If that sounds daunting, then you need Watson X Code Assistant, AI designed to multiply developer productivity so you can generate code quickly. Let's create a more modern foundation for business with Watson X Code Assistant. Learn more at ibm.com slash
0: IBM. Let's create. Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision?
4: Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb, and my name is Christian Sager. Today's topic is something that sounds like it should be uh, like the plot of a horror movie that uh, is maybe maybe something that's been imported from Asia to America and it's been remade, like The Ring or The Grudge or something like that. But uh, we we were only able to find one example, um, and it, it seems like a relatively small movie. Uh yeah, there's a two thousand and thirteen film called Ghost Bride uh, from uh, New Zealand director David Blythe. So what we're talking about today, and this is real, this isn't this isn't a movie. This isn't the plot of a movie. in fact, it's a thousands year old tradition, ghost marriages. Uh, and primarily, we're going to be talking about ghost marriages in China or Chinese cultures around the the world, but uh, they happen in other places, too, like Sudan, France, uh, and even here in America.
1: Yeah, in China it's known as the the rite of Ming hun and uh, it's it's pretty interesting. We're we're gonna we're gonna get into it in this podcast episode this is not going to be a particularly sciencey episode but we are going to still apply that same level of uh, skeptical rationalism uh that we apply to all our topics and, uh, and and also a certain demystification because i i feel that at the heart of this we have something that is really it may it may seem weird it may seem grotesque or alien yeah. to many uh viewers uh, to many listeners here but when you really break it down i think it is not that different from the sort of thing that a lot of people across the world believe it.
4: Oh, yeah. No, I think, and that's why we should probably start with just kind of defining sort of the cultural, philosophical, religious ideas behind it. But, um, it, it seems very much in line with just the human belief of, uh, trying to understand what the afterlife means for us and for the living and for the dead.
1: Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, we'll get into the, the details of it in a bit, but that's the, the basic idea here is some sort of a marriage ceremony that's taking place between two dead individuals or between a living and a dead individual. And, uh, you know, that, that may sound a little weird to a lot of people, uh, but it's a real thing. It's been around for a while. And, uh, We'll, we'll we'll break down the reasons
4: for it as we progress here. The uh the inspiration for this was there was an article in the BBC uh news section over the weekend that mm-hmm. I saw about this and I just it immediately uh struck me as something that uh, we'd be interested in and that our listeners would be interested in. So uh we did a deep dive into research over the last well, there's research over the last couple thousand <laughs> years, actually. But really, uh last, I'd say, 60 years is the, yeah. the major concentration so it was, of it. It seemed
1: to very much, there was a, like a, a, a post-World War II boom in the yeah. end of this. Um, and also a certain amount of resurgence, too, as, as we'll get into right. it. Like, it did not appear in Japan. Until the post-war period, where it seemed to have sprung out of uh, uh, Chinese influences
4: in Okinawa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, why don't we start off by sort of just defining what the religious, philosophical practices are behind this that that lead to ghost marriage?
1: All right, and uh, and and again, we're going to start with the Chinese model, and then eventually we'll talk about some other uh, cultural motifs as well. So. Uh, in order to engage with this topic in a like a non sensational manner and certainly. Um, I, I imagine people familiar with this, you may have encountered it in even like a semi-sensational headline. Because yeah. you, you can't, I mean, in, t- to a certain extent, it can't be helped, right? When when one culture is looking at another oh, it's, and, it's, and observing something like Yeah,
4: this. such a um, sort of like, we're better than that. Oh, look at that. That's weird kind of thing. But when you really like drill down and read about the people's lives uh that this affects, it mm-hmm. makes a little bit more sense, especially, I I can't wait till we get to the French example. That's where it really... Really rang home for me. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, but the things other people believe
1: those are always the weird things. Yep. Never the things that, that we believe. No, right? no, no. We're perfect. <laughs> All right. So, um, to properly engage with we, we have to we have to really break down the importance of ancestor veneration in um, in Chinese tradition and uh, to a certain extent in in Asian tradition as a whole. Um this is known as uh, Xiao or uh, filial piety, so it 's a concept that 's grounded in uh, Taoist philosophy in, in uh, Confucian family values, and it concerns the the undying nature of the human soul, something that you, you find in religions around the world. Um, the dead live on in the afterlife and, uh, and this, uh, this alone resonates equally well in Western families steeped in Christian traditions or even mm-hmm. many
4: mainstream or new age supernatural belief systems, right? Yeah. You know, it's interesting, like, uh, reading about this and then thinking about, like, Western ghost stories, uh, from, like, I don't know, like a century, 150 years ago, mm-hmm. you know, like, I'm thinking of, like, M.R. James, stuff like that, ghost stories yeah. of the antiquity. They're not really all that different, right? The general idea that like, uh, if somebody dies unhappy, that their spirit lingers on and like sort of causes problems for the living.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, there, there are a lot of crossovers and, and it's important to note too that when we talk about our beliefs, personal beliefs in the afterlife, we're certainly yeah. all capable of holding multiple ones at, at once. Yeah. You know, cause you might have, you might have a little bit of influence from your pop culture, from your religious upbringing, from your sort of, Scientific understanding of the world, and all these can sort of uh, layer on top of each other and so at at the at one time, you might say, "Oh well, this deceased uh, loved one uh, is is gone they don 't yeah. exist anymore, but on the other hand, you still might view it at least partially in these other motifs as well
4: right that 's the thing as I imagine, and maybe that 's where the sort of like uh um laughter factor or the or the as uh, hysterical headlines come from is like something like I don't know like a, a modern movie like the woman in black or mm-hmm. something like that right like you see that and that's that's a horror movie and you go okay that basically it's a similar plot to what we're going to describe here today but there's a there's a reason why that movie has that plot right like it springs out of cultural taboos and traditions and sort of fears that every human being has uh, but then we, we, we want to laugh at the fact that we sort of believe those things too. Yeah. So, uh,
1: well, where you see this major difference though, between, uh, many of these Western models and, uh, the, the Chinese model here is that, uh, in Xiao, uh, there's also this importance on continuing to honor deceased family members and to care for them, to tend to their desires, to curry their favor, um, even, you know, after they're dead in order to, you know, avoid catastrophe, maintain balance and happiness for, for both the living and the dead. So there's this continued spirit lineage for a given f- of a family. There's a con- continued back and forth between uh, the world of the living and the world of the dead. And you have to maintain that bond. It's... Um, you you could probably think of it in certain terms uh, as being comparable to uh aspects of catholicism where one is uh, you know say praying to a saint yeah. in order to Uh, curry favor in the afterlife.
4: Well, I think the general idea here is behind ancestor worship is essentially like we all pass away. Right. Mm -hmm. And we want someone to remember us. Yeah. We want someone to pay us homage after we're gone. And so this seems to very neatly encapsulate that. Yeah, I was
1: uh, reading, I think we both uh, read this 1991 article by Diana Martin, uh, titled Chinese Ghost Marriage. Yeah. And she she has a wonderful section in that where she compares all of this to the Chinese notion of Yuan or structural completeness. So in this you have you know a family that consists of a father and a mother you have sons who marry and bring women uh into the family uh and offspring into the home you have daughters who are merely temporary members of the family destined for assimilation assimilation into another family so mm-hmm. um you know chinese culture is is what you would call a paternal clan culture
4: and that gets into some of the just sort of i guess we could call it uh criminal activities that 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 might surround this practice well, or at
1: least there's some of the more extreme uh, manifestations of it at, yeah. uh, at the French, I guess you would say. But um, it, but anyway, within this idea of structural completeness, it even, it, it even breaks down into like the traditional um, Chinese household where you would have, uh, you know, originally you would have a central room in the family home where you'd have this ancestral altar. So you'd have wooden tablets that bear the names of the deceased. Uh, you know the the important dates in mm-hmm. this room ideally is also where elderly members of the family would physically die so you you have this idea that you know the, the there's this perfect form for what the family is yeah. both in this life and as it uh, as it extends into the past and the future, and and there's a lot of effort, energy, and and ultimately, as we'll discuss, anxiety going into maintaining that perfect form. And mm-hmm. I think we can we can all relate to this because we all grow up with certain certain expectations and models uh, imposed on us for what a, what a family is, what our family is, and what it should be like in the future. So um, so even though many cultures don't have that same level of, of veneration of of actually sort of re- Reaching out continually to uh, loved ones who have died, I think that the energy of it is is comparable in, in many other
4: cultures. Yeah, I agree. There's societal practices that are designed to, you know, make us feel uh, loved and, be- and that we belong. Yeah. Right, and and who doesn't want that? Um, now, it's worth recognizing too that the the this tradition this. In this tradition, the son is very important in the family model, uh, and their most important duty is to continue on the patriline. Mm-hmm. Uh They need to provide a descendant so that this practice will be able to continue. There'll be descendants who can worship the ancestors, right? Right. Um, so that tends to lead to what we were just talking about earlier with the minimization of the girl's role, this, the, the daughters in these uh, situations. Right.
1: Now, in a, in a perfect world, of course— this uh, structure would be maintained, right? Yeah. All the mari- all these marriages would be arranged perfectly. Uh, there would be offspring, and the the line continues, and the ancestors are pleased. But of course, life doesn't always work like that. No. Um You know, stuff happens, and uh, death happens, and uh, and you end up having to have these uh, different fixes to occur. Like, how do you how do you maintain uh, order and structure uh, for the family? Both in the physical and in this uh in in the supernatural sense right and the belief here too is that if one when you die you either become an ancestor and, and you're part of this structure or you become a ghost. And if you're a ghost, that's uh, the then you're a disruptive, uh, anxiety inducing, um, you know, sort of rogue spirit. So instead yeah. of finding that that place in the afterlife where you're supposed to be, you're sort of roaming free, causing problems. And it's up to the living to figure out a way to pacify uh, the dead. Uh, and and there, I want to say, too, there are other there are other ways that are that are not supernatural and ritual oriented. um to to fix uh, issues that occur, I mean certainly um, there there are examples of uh, of, of adoption taking place um, in these models where that where this would uh, make up for uh, uh, an inability to conceive. Uh, yeah, Martin talks mm-hmm. about the adoption at length. Yeah, that in comes her piece. up a bit, yeah. as well as um, as having a daughter who's um, who's married off to another family, but then those children. Uh, or at least some of the children she has are are kind of like added back to right. her original family as a way to maintain that family
4: line. Um, and z- connecting to the ghost topic, which is, you know, a pretty central point to this episode. Martin, my favorite part <laughs> in Martin's article is she says, so let's define who gets to be a ghost and what are their powers? Yeah, and proceeds to sort of you know explain and basically by powers, I guess what we're talking about here is the ability to cause illness and misfortune.
1: Yeah, and just this overall sense too that it's just like things are out of order with with life. Yeah, both in, in this world and beyond. So it's like something something has occurred and everything's just out of whack, and you've got to you've got to realign you know the energy of it all. Mm-hmm,
4: mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a nice way to put it.
1: And that's where we get to this this idea of ghost marriage, of uh, of ghost wives,
4: ghost husbands, and uh, the the rite of Minghun. Okay, so the rite of ming Minghun is the official uh, ritualistic title of what we're referring to here as ghost marriage, right? Yeah, and uh,
1: it's it's been around for for quite a while now. The earliest possible evidence of this, uh, and I believe this comes uh, according to, to Martin. Is that, uh, the, the rites of show a guidebook, uh, of appropriate Confucian behavior written around the third century BCE, that may include, uh, some mention of it in the, in the form of disapproval mm-hmm. of the practice, uh, by the educated elite, uh, despite the fact that, uh, Confucianism and, uh, later blended with Buddhism and Taoism provide, you know, some of the backbone for the practice but uh even even at this point there may have been some ghost marriage going on it seems and it was looked down on by the elite
4: yeah in fact uh one of the things that i read was was that uh around 200 ce i think it was mm-hmm. um that the practice was getting so out of hand that there were a lot of grave robberies occurring so even that far back they ended up legislating against this yeah around uh
1: 200 ce that is when you would um you would see examples of just sort of the sort of the the more typical version of this where you have you have a, a son who dies without marrying. All right. right yeah. That's it's out of balance. Right. And then you have there's another family in town and their daughter dies without marriage. Uh So you have these two pieces that are out of alignment. What makes more sense right. than bearing them together and pronouncing them man and wife in the afterlife? And then everything is is back. You know, on on a righted course.
4: Yeah, the, the I want to make it clear too. These weddings were originally only for the dead, right? Um, the ritual would be conducted by the living to wed the two single deceased people, and they would typically use those wooden tablets we were talking about earlier. Right. So it's
1: not a situation where you would have two corpses lined up in a right. <laughs> for a ceremony. No, it would be. It, I mean, really, it's it's it 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 makes a lot of sense to to me if you're going to put this much uh, effort. And thought into what's happening in an afterlife. This is just the equivalent of sort of like checking off a couple of things in a couple of boxes for the afterlife and
4: saying, all right, everything's sorted. Yeah. I mean, the idea here is that you're providing emotional compensation for the bereaved relative. Yeah. But also it's especially important in the case where a son was working to support their family, right? Like mm-hmm. they were providing financial income, but then they died.
2: That's oracle.com slash strategic, oracle.com
0: slash strategic. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed a hundred thousand miles in a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left, look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
5: Dad deserves something really nice for Father's Day. But let's face it, we usually don't do it the only thing that lets dad know he's the world's number one dad better than a world's number one dad coffee mug is an artisan cocktail in his hand. Make dad's Father's Day and Father's Day cocktails with all natural juices and bitters without making any mess at all. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N dot backslash father to get $50 off the best premium cocktail maker for dad at the
3: best price for you. Artesian. Artesian. Premium cocktails on demand. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.
4: The other idea here, too, is that by hosting these ghost weddings, it can pacify the dead. So if people believe that misfortune is falling upon them when their wishes weren't fulfilled, the deceased will continue on in the afterlife, uh, and a marriage like this will possibly calm their spirit. So restless spirits, the idea here is that they would wreak havoc on their family, they might cause illness, uh, that won't respond to conventional treatments, or maybe they'll start appearing in the living's dreams, or there'll be general misfortune. Uh, so the idea is if you are able to conduct a ghost wedding, that will appease them, and they will be able to eventually, uh, after a certain period of time, I think it's 30 years, um, move on to the next stage. The afterlife.
1: Yeah. And, and yeah, you can really look at this as much of a as a bereavement process for grieving parents uh, as anything, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, this is a, a like a like most of our uh, our funeral customs.
4: It's, a, it's about the living. It's not about the dead. Really. Right. Yeah. Uh, And it's especially important in families where the older son, this is an important thing to understand about the the, the cultural tradition Mm -hmm. here. Older sons are supposed to marry before their younger brothers. Mm -hmm. So what happens if the older brother dies unmarried? Well, then the younger brother can't get married until... Uh, there's a ghost marriage in place, right? So the, the solution is ghost marriage. The older brother, uh, his ghost is married to the ghost of a, of a, you know, young woman that maybe they didn't even know, but this allows the younger brother to continue on with his life. And again, the importance being continuing on the lineage of the family. Um, now, here's the thing. I mentioned that there was legislation against this in 200 AD. Now, It's even more recent than that. All of this practice is technically illegal in modern day China. Ghost marriage was actually outlawed under Chairman Mao, but the practice still remains, especially in northern parts of China. So uh you know I mean it, it occurs in different communities around, and as we'll find out like uh it occurs in Chinese pocket communities and in other nations as well,
1: yeah, my understanding is that you'll find remnants of this uh in various parts of mainland china mm-hmm. and and other Chinese communities w- with an emphasis on rural communities and certainly in modern times, the Chinese government hasn't been as strict on uh, traditional practices, yeah, I can't imagine that it's that easy
4: to i don't know discipline yeah
1: you know? well most of these. My understanding is that they're taking place, you know, very privately between yeah. one party and another. If, if, so it's not the kind of thing where you're going to a local, uh, magistrate's office and, uh, yeah. and a- applying paperwork for this marriage. This is not about it as much about a legal situation as it is about, uh, the afterlife and, and personal,
4: um, uh, you know, personal bereavement. Yeah, uh, we're, we should mention this, we were talking about it before we went on air, but, uh, I grew up, uh, in, I lived in Singapore for four years when I was a kid. And, uh, at, through the research, we found out that this is actually a practice that goes on in the Chinese community in Singapore. And I said to Robert, I was like, I- i never heard or saw anything about this the whole time that I lived there. And you had a smart answer, which was, well, of course you wouldn't. You know, this is obviously not something they're going to talk about with foreigners, but really it's it's a private ceremony. They're going to keep it within the family.
1: Yeah. Um, one of the sources I was reading for this pointed out that, you know, within this is not the kind of thing that's necessarily openly talked about, even uh, among, uh, uh, you know, in Chinese communities. It's going to be the kind of thing that might have have a sense of supernaturalism or, yeah. Or silliness, even to it, but it's kind. Of, but it's kind of like a lot of uh, supernatural things in in, in Western uh, civilization. I imagine. Um, look, if if you've ever known anybody who's lost somebody, and then they turn to uh, a spiritualist, they they you know want to somehow reach out and you know have a séance or anything like that, or perhaps they they turn to um, to certain aspects of their religion that they they you know, previously did not engage with. Yeah. I mean, you know, death and bereavement kind of, can kind of change the way you you view these, uh, these, uh, these rights and these beliefs.
4: Yeah, certainly. And, and so I think that begs the question too, which is at what point, like how, how old does the son have to be? At what point do they reach the age, even if they've passed away, that they can be part of this ghost marriage ceremony?
1: Um, I've read that it's like as, as early as twelve, okay, um, or or you know twelve or older when they die. But that's uh, that's another thing to keep in mind is that it's not necessarily immediately right after right. that they say, oh well, we we got to get this ghost married off. Uh, years may pass it. Uh, there was a one uh, instance cited in the Dinah Martin paper where it was the the um, the, the second oldest son, like the middle right. child. He gets to the point where he's about to marry. And then he has an episode where the ghost speaks through. him. And oh, says, yeah.
4: I remember yeah. that one. Yeah. And says,
1: oh, well, the, the oldest brother needs to be married first. And, you know, this is some years after his death. Mm-hmm. That they end up checking that
4: off the list. Yeah, he's like possessed by the spirit of his older brother in this example. Uh, and speaks with the voice that this is what they said, that he, he sounded like the older brother and said, you know, no, he can't be married before I'm married. Yeah.
1: And uh and, and there are other cases, too, where the ghost, uh, the, the male ghost appears to the mother years after the death and says, yeah. you know, I'm unhappy in the afterlife. I need to be married uh, off see that that gets taken care of or can you
4: help me with that mom (laughs) i mean if only it was that easy right (laughs) in in any society well it's also important to remember that in some chinese cultures if you're female and you're unmarried by the age of 30 you're considered to be what what is called quote a leftover woman so if you're a deceased woman in this case the ghost marriage offers you social and spiritual advantage. Advantages in this patriarchal society. It allows these women to have their memory still be worshiped and to have their spirit tended to in the same way that we're talking about in this familial sense. Traditionally dead women can't be memorialized in their family home where they grew up because the place where they grew up is forbidden for their spirit tablet to be placed. So, uh, it, you can put it in their husband's home though. So why not marry the deceased woman to, uh, the ghost of a deceased man? Yeah. It's basically like balancing out a spreadsheet really. Yeah. And it includes situations where, uh, a heterosexual couple are already engaged, but the man dies before they're wed. So in these types of weddings, what happens is a white rooster stands in for the groom. This rooster thereafter accompanies the bride to any formal dealings with the groom's family and she is expected to move in with her dead husband's family and take a vow of celibacy.
1: Now it's interesting, uh, for the most part when, when you have a situation that, where the, a ghost is appearing and saying, hey mom we need to set up this ghost wedding right. generally it's the, the male ghost but in Taiwan apparently traditions uh, dictate that the uh, the female ghost is always the one to make first contact and initiate the matchmaking
4: yeah and the, the way the, the rituals are just slightly different in, in these different areas uh, around Southeast Asia in Taiwan if an unmarried woman passes away her family will place packets filled with cash and paper money not not real money fake money mm-hmm. Uh a lock of her hair and a fingernail just out in the open. And if a man picks it up and doesn't marry the ghost bride, it's considered bad luck. So it's kind of this weird, like, I don't know, trap, (laughs) but, but I guess like it's so culturally known that if you're just a guy walking along and you see such a packet, you're going to say, well, I don't want to pick that up because I'm not interested in ghost marriage right now. Yeah. Well, I mean, you could probably say the same about marriage between the living. Like some would, some Fair, people yeah. would say, hey, married, this normal marriage is a trap, right? The different, Yes, they would. The, the difference in Taiwan, though, is that the bones aren't actually dug up and the groom can still marry a living woman later on as long as his dead wife is considered his primary wife. Uh, and yes, uh, as I mentioned earlier, it also occurs in Singapore. There's a significant Chinese population there. Um, Singaporean Chinese. The 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 best record I could find of this was from 1955. So that mm-hmm. goes to show you just how kind of um, secretive it is. But uh, the idea this was this was written by Marjorie Topley back in 1955. This, the ritual there is called In Chi. Uh, it's similar to the modern Chinese ritual, but it's more common among Cantonese Chinese than it is among other dialect groups. That might be part of it, too, is a lot of the Chinese, because I was in high school at the time, a lot of the Chinese that I was interacting with were part of the Mandarin dialect group. So maybe mm-hmm. I just I wasn't interacting with the right communities. But uh, the reason to conduct this, maybe uh, you need to acquire a grandson after the death of a son of a family or you need to acquire a living daughter-in-law after the death of an unmarried son. When a younger son wishes to marry and the elder brother had died, just like we talked about earlier, that's another reason to do it. So uh, back in 1955, the process was they would get these priests and they would pay them to conduct the arrangements. And the one that they observed for this particular study was from a Cantonese branch of Zheng Yi's school of Taoism. And these guys earned their living performing funeral ceremonies and Cantonese rites. Now, the actual ghost marriage ceremonies, these were held in a temple that was referred to as the dying house. You know, I'm glad that you, you, you brought
1: brought this up because it, it reminds me that another way for Westerners to think about this, yeah. looking in on this tradition, is to, like, don't just think of it as a wedding. Right. Think of it as a wedding slash funeral. It's it's essentially a funeral rite. Mm-hmm. It's, it's aiming into... The afterlife, it's aiming into life
4: without, continued life without these people. Yeah, certainly. And I think one thing that like uh we should clarify too. I just like sort of casually talked about it. There's lots of money involved in this. Um like any funeral mm-hmm. or wedding service, you you pay for these services to be done and you need experts to conduct them.
1: And it's kind of just a combination of some of the methods we've uh, we've discussed already. So uh, Martin actually found a case from 1971. It was 5 years after a ghost wedding. Uh the ghost wife's mother adopted her son-in-law's brother's child on behalf of the couple. Okay. While the child was reared by his own birth parents, he was intended to uh, dutifully worship the ghost parents. So this ties in again with other ma- efforts to maintain some level of of, of one uh, through adoption and or the splitting of a daughter's offspring between her family and her husband's in terms of uh, of their responsibility to ancestors.
4: This isn't that doesn't seem that alien to me. Um, no. You know what it makes me think of. Do you ever watch Deadwood? Um, i never watched all of it. Okay. But- there will, there's a, one of the characters in that eventually, uh, I think it's in one of the last seasons he marries his brother, his dead brother's wife mm-hmm. because she doesn't have someone to take care of her and her son. And he, he literally steps in and fills the role as both husband and father And yeah. and, and, and yes, they still revere. the 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 original father who was his brother this is all in the context of america in the late 19th century one other thing that i wanted to mention about the uh the 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 sort of money involved here so gifts are exchanged and we're not just talking about those tablets that we mentioned uh traditionally the bride's family demands a price uh they also uh have a dowry and that includes jewelry sometimes even servants and a home it could be a mansion in some cases but here's the thing they're all made of paper Yes. So the servants, the jewelry, the mansion—all this stuff—it's—it's it's paper. It's—it's it's, uh, symbols of these things. They're not actually giving servants to uh, these ghost uh, couples.
1: Yeah, and this and this just ties in with a lot of uh, you know ancestor veneration that you yeah. see in in Asian cultures. Uh, one the the example I always think of are the ghost houses in, in Thai culture where you have the, the little wooden houses that you'll see out in front of uh, of homes but right. also businesses and there'll be little offerings sometimes in the form of say like a soda that the uh, yeah.
4: that deceased really liked you know it's like here in America we've got those um, little neighborhood libraries you know what I'm talking yeah. about with, like there's <laughs> little like houses mm-hmm. that are filled with books uh, and I I just have to imagine that like somebody else would see those and be like what's going on with that that's weird yeah. you know but it's it's just culture
1: well I think the culture clo- Closest thing we probably have, uh, you know, in terms of like mainstream American culture would be the leaving of objects at a grave. Yeah. Which uh, which is similar. But there are times where I wish we had something a little more like a spirit house, like or, or an ancestor's altar, like some way to to, you know, symbolically venerate the dead. Without having to, you know, drive out to a, a field somewhere and, and leave something in the middle of nowhere.
4: Well, it's interesting. I'm actually working on another project for How Stuff Works right now that is about uh, the American cultural practices surrounding burial. Um, and we've become very distanced from that aspect of yeah. it. Uh, in modern day burial, but you go back not even 150 years, people used to have picnics on the graves of their family members, uh, and up, and did all the upkeep of their grave sites on their own. It wasn't expected to be part of the, uh, the cemetery's job. Yeah. So, you know, there was a point where we had similar practices surrounding this. Uh, one other thing that I wanted to mention to, which I couldn't find anything about, but, um, So you're digging up the bones or the body of these brides, right? And then you're putting them inside the groom's grave. Again, from the research that I've done on burial practices, man, disinterment is uh, 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 can be a hideous practice, right? It, It can be very difficult. So I have to imagine there must be some kind of protocols in place for how they deal with the bodies and yeah but at the same time we have to realize that like the i the idea
1: of burying a body in one place and it stays there yeah forever yeah it's not necessarily uniform uh, around the world. I mean, oh you, no, you know, go, go down to New Orleans and you will encounter a different model, a, a, in ways a drastically different model than so the mainstream American idea of burying the dead. The idea that that uh, the dead will be in in this uh, place temporarily, or in the case of you know the the, the raised uh, graves, their body is going to. Um, essentially bake in there and then you're yeah. going to push the
4: bones back out into a chamber in the rear of the uh, in the rear of the mausoleum yeah i guess i'm more thinking along the lines of just the biological uh process that a dead body goes through right mm-hmm. and 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 what ugh, like how grisly that might end up being depending on how the body i guess is prepared for burial
1: yeah, and, and to what extent, to what extent it's prepared and over prepared, because as we've touched on yeah. in our mummification yeah, absolutely. Uh, episodes and, in uh, discussing even modern funeral rites, the, you know, sometimes we go a bit overboard in our attempts to keep the natural process from occurring and in a way really prolong the, the weirdness and ickiness of
4: death. I guess all of this depends on how soon after the death of, uh, either the bride or the groom that Mm -hmm. they're disinterred. Yeah. Um, like we said, like sometimes it's a long time. It's all, all they're digging up our bones. Yeah. Maybe that's all. And
1: I'm assuming the individual is doing it. you know, might be, people whose trade it is uh, to, to do this right like a, like a funeral
0: director here
1: yeah or you know just gravedigger and people who are not as distant from the
0: biological
1: um, realities of death yeah
0: yeah today's episode is brought to you by eBay eBay Motors is here for the ride. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
5: Dad deserves something really nice for Father's Day. But let's face it, we usually don't do it. Big gifts are for Mother's Day. premium cocktails on demand.
3: Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.
5: Diamonds Direct has done it again. This month only, get ready for an offer you can't resist. Buy a natural diamond engagement ring of 1 carat plus and receive a free natural 1 carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at 2000 that's right, a stunning diamond tennis bracelet at no extra cost. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. So hurry into Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet will not last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com.
1: So as we mentioned, a lot of you may have heard about this topic through some of the the more kind of scandalous uh, headlines that have come out in, in you know, in some some mainstream um, media sources about ghost marriage and its occasional rare uh, instances where this ends up uh, having some sort of a murder. Involved. Yeah.
4: So uh, there's been multiple instances where connected to this practice, there have been either murders or graves being robbed. Specifically, I mentioned at the top of the episode that there was a, a BBC report this weekend uh, that was in northwest China. Police charged a man for murdering two women with mental disabilities. Uh, their argument, this is the police, was that he was allegedly going to sell their corpses for ghost weddings. According to the police, he was telling them, the women, that he would find them grooms. So I, I guess technically he wasn't lying. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, he unfortunately, well, You know, this is their charge. I don't know. I guess it's allegedly this practice was discovered in the Shanxi province back in April of 2016 when a woman's body was discovered in a vehicle with three men who were moving it. Uh and there's also evidence that this has been going on for years in certain parts of China. Living people have been married to corpses in secret rituals as we've been discussing throughout this. Uh but last year for instance in 2015 14 female corpses were stolen from a village in Shangxi Shanxi seems to be the place where a lot of this uh, these reports are coming out of. Mm-hmm. Uh the, the The likely reason was to make money off of them, selling them as corpse brides. Uh, Again, in 2013, four men were sentenced to prison for exhuming 10 women's corpses to sell. Now, you're probably wondering, well, why are they going to all this trouble, right? Well, the, the BBC article actually interviewed a guy, his name is Huang Chun, and he's the head of uh, a study on this at Shanghai University. And he said the price of a young woman's corpse or its bone has risen significantly. They first started moder- uh, monitoring this in 2008, and at that time, uh, a body would go for between 30,000 to 50,000 yen, which roughly translated into uh, 4,500 or 7,500 U.S. dollars. Today, they're going for around 100,000 yen uh, or almost 15,000 U.S. dollars. So even though the sale of corpses was outlawed in 2006, it hasn't stopped grave robbers. Now, the connections between these are tenuous, though, right? Like, all we know is that the police are just saying, well, we think— it's because of ghost marriages, but, but who knows what the reasons are. Uh, and the, the reason why shang keeps coming up as, as an area where this seems to be prevalent is because there's large numbers of young unmarried men there, uh-huh. and they work as coal miners, so they have high fatalities. So the idea there is that, uh, there's, there's a lot more Dead young men there that haven't had the chance to marry.
1: Yeah, and factor into that too, like a disproportionate balance between uh, between male and females. Uh, also, I've read that uh, like a number of the females in the area are, and, and just young people in general are uh, continue to be like siphoned off to the uh, to the ever growing uh, metropolitan areas of China.
4: Yeah, I mean that. My general understanding of mm-hmm. Chinese culture right now is that's a fairly common phenomenon, yeah. right? Yeah, and so it, that Makes sense it
1: also reminds me though of that that potential early mention of it uh where you had the elite criticizing um the the working class and the, the right. lower members of society for engaging in this because it's ultimately kind of an elite privilege to not have to worry about this for the most part yeah. because i mean not to say that tragedy does not strike the elite as well i mean certainly every every elite um, member of society who has ever lived is also wound up in a hole in the ground yeah uh, but uh, certainly there are professions, uh, there are trades, uh, within a society that puts you closer to death, closer to injury, and, uh, and makes it more difficult for just the, the normal shape of the family to maintain itself through time.
4: Yeah, I mean, again, like, this seems to me to be a point where we as Westerners can identify a little bit with this practice, right? Mm-hmm. So, if the, and not the practice, sorry, I want to be clear, not the practice of murdering people or of robbing their graves, but the idea of Um, that your son works as a minor. He's in a dangerous, uh, occupation. He dies at a young age before he's able to marry. And the, uh, that you as a parent want to somehow, uh, bind his spirit so that he can be honored in your family for eternity, essentially. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think, I think we can all relate to that on some level, or at least, you know, we can, we can
4: sympathize with that. Yeah. You want him to be remembered positively. Yeah. Now,
1: On the, the, so we've established that there is to a certain degree a black market then for either, either stolen bodies or in rare cases murdered individuals, uh, whose bodies have been, then sold. Uh, my, my two, my two cents on this. Yeah. So while, okay, so we have these rare cases of murder and of course these are to be condemned. I'm not at all, um, (laughs) forgiving that. But, uh, I want to pose an argument here: Is the selling of the dead for matrimonial purposes really worse uh, than the overt or essential selling of the living? Uh, in the when it comes to t- traditional marriages yeah. around the world, right. you know, through dowries, arranged marriages, green card marriages, human trafficking. Um, to say nothing of domestic abuses and homicides. According to 2013's "The Global uh, Prevalence of Intimate Partner Homicide," a systematic review, at least one in seven homicides globally, and more than a third of female homicides are perpetrated by an intimate partner. Right. So this idea yeah. that that marriage and all of the social anxiety that we we attach to marriage and to, and to obtaining a, an intimate partner for our life to, to think that this is, this is something that never touches on death yeah. is, uh, is, yeah. is ridiculous. I mean, it, it, Far more than is comfortable it it touches on death and murder and uh and, and, and other
4: miseries I think it is a thing that actually happens it's just i i think it's rare right that the the idea of well i'm going to go out and i 'm going to kill somebody so that I can sell their body for you know however many uh dollars mm-hmm. i I don't think that this is like a a Rampaging practice occurring in the countryside of China, right, right, right.
1: and as we're about to discuss, um, you know, this is not the expression of this ritual is not an enigma, uh, and we have a, a few different traditions we're going to discuss here that it, that we feel illustrates this. Uh, the notion that we can communicate with the spirits of the dead, and then there's there's some level of interaction between the two realms. This can be found in most religions, most spiritual tra- uh, traditions, and uh, and I don't think it's really an extreme model at all to incorporate
4: marriage uh, in, uh, to the dead in right. that equation. Yeah. Well, the, the first one that we can look at here is in Japan, where it, it's not all that different from the Chinese model. Yeah, very
1: much an offshoot of it.
4: Yeah. I mean, uh, clearly, they're within physical proximity to one another. So their cultural traditions can kind of sometimes bleed back and forth between nations. Uh, there's a book called Buy Me a Bride by Ellen Schott Schneider that I, I took a look at for this, uh, where she references how the Japanese perform this ritual. Their spirit marriage keeps the dead from being denied their sexual and emotional fulfillment. This way, they don't torment the living with misfortune, possession or illness. So somewhat similar, maybe a little grimmer uh, than the Chinese version. Here's the difference. The Japanese use dolls instead of living spouses. So they marry the ghosts to these, I guess they're custom-made dolls, I would have Mm -hmm. to imagine. And this is in the case of both grooms and brides. The style that's practiced in China was also in Japan originally, but it shifted to this doll ritual in 1930. And the reason why was because young single men were dying during war. And it was hard Mm -hmm. to find them all ghost brides in that kind of traditional practice. So the ceremony goes like this in Japan. A photo of a dead man is placed in a glass case next to a doll to represent their union. This stays up in the family home for 30 years. Then the man's spirit is considered to have passed on to the next realm.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. This apparently arose as a new practice in Japan in the 40s and 50s among uh, a sort of sort of agrarian social uh, uh, classes. And it seems like the area where it really originated was Okinawa, as uh, mentioned at the the top of the the podcast. And this is an area where
4: there's a you know fair amount of Chinese influence as well as uh, some Korean influence as well. Mm. So then we go from Japan all the way uh, across the world. To France. Ah, uh, yes. Now, I'm, I'm excited about this one because this one definitely puts it in uh, a Western framework. Uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, so it's actually part of France's legal civil code. In Article 171 that the president of France can authorize a marriage where one of the spouses is already dead. Now, this was actually added to law in 1959. And the reason why was a dam collapsed and it killed 423 people. The law was passed so that the bereaved could marry their dead fiancés. Now, uh, in almost ninety-five percent of the cases in France, where the Article One Seventy-One is is uh, uh, invoked, I guess, and mm-hmm. the president is requested for this, it's by women asking to marry their their dead fiancés. Um, but. Here's the thing. The living person has to prove that the couple had intended to marry, and they they also have to have permission from the deceased's family. This allows, for instance, for a pregnant woman to give birth to the deceased's heir. Now that, again getting back to patriarchal lineage and the importance that it has in many societies, you could see there why they would want the heir to be able to have that name or whatever, depending on yeah. what the, I guess, like, aristocratic nature of the family is. Yeah, that seems completely sensible to me.
1: Now, um, another example from, from Western uh, uh, civilization, and this is uh, this is one, this, this is not a one-to-one comparison, but the ancient Greeks had a tradition called uh, Epikleros, uh and it borders on similar principles in which the the kinsman of a dead man could fill in for him as a temporary property holder until his widow could produce a son to act as heir.
4: And I would assume that by produce a son, it means that the kinsman would be having sex with the widow.
1: I'm not clear on that point. I'm not sure if it's a situation where she... Is is pregnant uh from the uh you know from, oh she from might already yeah, be yeah. pregnant yeah or if it's like a gray area yeah i'm i'm not sure exactly how that uh, that comes together but you do see this idea of all right we have a situation here she doesn't. We need to protect the rights of the the child. Yeah. What can we do to is sort of like a placeholder for well, that?
4: There, there's actually a very similar practice in southern Sudan. So the tradition there is within the new ethnic group. And it's very similar to what you just described in Greece. If a man dies without male heirs, his kinsman will marry his wife in the dead man's name now this kinsman then behaves socially like a husband uh-huh. but the ghost is considered the father of any heir that they produce oh, okay. okay so so if the kinsman and the and the wife produce a son then he worships the son worships the ghost as his actual father oh wow okay even though biologically the ghost isn't involved, huh. uh, and usually this is conducted to secure property for somebody, uh, like a dead man who died in a feud. Um, and this price is paid out by something that's called blood wealth from those who are responsible for the death. The woman receives this payment during the ghost marriage, and that's known as the bride price. Hmm. Sounds very Game of Thronesy.
1: Yeah, I mean, it ultimately comes down to like what is what is essential. Uh, moving forward yeah. uh, for the survivors. Like how much of it is, is like a purely legal property uh, situation. How much of it is, uh, you know, concerns of the spiritual. Right. And on, con- as far as concerns of the spiritual go, the next example is really key here. And this is from uh,
4: the, uh, the, uh, the church of Latter-day Saints. Yep. This is right here mm-hmm. in the United States of America. So if you've been listening to this episode and you've been like, Oh, this is so weird that they do this in these other places. It's so foreign. well, there are similar practices that are conducted right here. Right. Now I do have to say this, I have seen this sometimes
1: scandalized by like, like certain, uh, like for instance, chick tracks. Yeah. Um, yeah, totally from a, a, you know, a very conservative Protestant
4: perspective where they're saying, Oh, well they, the church of Latter-day Saints is weird. And let's explain what a chick track is. A chick track is like a, a comic book that's produced by a religious organization that sort of condemns a, a way of life, is that about right, yeah, satirically,
1: yeah not i have you know i if, if you haven't seen one, check. Do a search. If you just online. Google
4: chick tracks, you'll find a whole uh archive of them.
1: Generally, the whole point was to scare children out of yeah. doing things or believing in certain things. And in my experience, it tended to backfire because they oh, would yeah. have cool monster illustrations yeah. that make you think, "Whoa!" Uh It's maybe- like those
4: TV specials in the '80s that yeah. told you that Dungeons and Dragons would make you worship the devil and turn you evil. Exactly. And of course, everybody started playing Dungeons and yeah. Dragons.
1: So I'm pretty sure there were some that uh that targeted. Um, the, the Church of Latter Day Saints yeah. for this idea of celestial marriage. So, celestial marriage is just the idea that marriage lasts beyond the grave and through all eternity. And it's one of three major doctrines that were presented by uh, Church founder Joseph Smith in the early 1840s. And these are the three baptism for the dead and this guaranteed uh, deceased relatives membership in the church mm-hmm. uh, eternal marriage which united living husbands and wives after death and then proxy marriage which linked spouses to their
4: deceased partners yeah so the idea here as I understand it is matrimony within this faith is also called sealing by doctrine mm-hmm. and what the what it means is, is, is very I think it's a similar understanding to most marriage systems especially in religion it binds a couple to one another for the rest of their lives, but also beyond into eternity. Uh, and it allows for a wedding ceremony to be performed for those who have already died. Yeah. So, you know, it's, uh, it's not that alien. No, I, th- I think that's the, that, that's the, the point
1: I definitely want to drive, drive home with this episode yeah. that on one hand, yes, it's, it's totally fascinating to, to, to look into another culture and, and find this thing that, that, uh, th- this mode of belief, this mode of behavior that, that seems, uh, rather different from the way we, we do things within our own culture. But then on the other hand, the, like the next level of interaction is then to realize how much it has in common. Yeah. With, uh, with all, with the beliefs
4: you may have or at least beliefs that are present in your immediate community. Well, our producer Noel brought up before we started recording. He said, "Well, it's not all that different from that movie Ghost, the Patrick Swayze, yeah. Demi Moore joint." <laughs> uh, so when you think about it that way, I guess you can identify with it.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. Like even if you're you're. Uh your, uh, you know, written, uh, religious beliefs don't line up with it. We still have this whole realm of pop culture supernaturalism yeah. that, uh, you know, you may just dismiss, dismiss it as fiction with your rational mind, but in the, the irrational color, co- corners of your mind, all that stuff still resonates and it totally. actually ends up informing the way you, you may, uh, you may interact with uh, the world.
4: So we'd love to hear from you about this. Tell us, uh, you know, what you think about these ghost marriage practices. Most importantly, I'm really curious people who've lived in China or Chinese listeners. If Mm -hmm. you've had personal experiences with these, let us know about them. Or if you're from one of the other cultures that we just briefly mentioned at the end here, uh, again, we'd love to know more about it. Maybe we'll be able to, uh, read something that you send to us on a listener mail episode in the future.
1: Yeah, we have, I know we have a number of, uh, Asian and Asian American listeners. We have a number of uh, of Mormon listeners as well. Yeah. So,
4: you know, let us know. Let it give us your uh, your two cents on the topic. So the way to do that is you can hit us up on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram. Uh you should be able to find this episode on all of those platforms and you could just write to us through those platforms as well. Pretty much all of them we are blow the mind or some variation of that uh Phrase. That's right. And be sure to check out
1: StuffToBlowYourMind.com. Uh, that is the website. It's been updated. And, hey, if you want to get in touch with us the old-fashioned way, uh, reach out to us at BlowTheMind at HowStuffWorks.com.
3: For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com.
2: Thank yeah. your style to life at the lifestyle design center are you looking for a quick move-in ready home instead fisher homes has options for those too. fill out a form to connect with a new home advisor at fisherhomes.com to get started today before the sun sets on summer savings
4: what are you looking for in a new smart tv 4k picture quality high quality and immersive sound a sleek design